morning to everybody. There we go. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, for those of you that are out there listening in podcast land, uh, we also welcome you and want to thank you for listening. Hey guys, cool fact. Um, Nate told me that our last series, Losers Like Us, uh, anybody remember that one vaguely? Yeah, Losers Like Us had over 130 listens uh, on, the po- on the podcast between the church app, church website, and so that's pretty cool. I think that's neat. If you missed the last two Sundays, I want to encourage you, you can go online and check out um, the beginnings of our new series, You Make Me Crazy, especially last week where we talked about the six keys to peaceful relationships or six keys to peace and relationships. Because in this year, 2017, we're all about relationships. We're dedicating all of our efforts to improving our relationships, making our lives better by making our relationships better. So we started this series originally done by Rick Warren called You Make Me Crazy. And we're going to jump right into uh, today's lesson in just a moment. But before we do, just a few things. First of all, mark your calendars. Saturday, March 11th at 6 p.m. here at the A Center. Saturday, March 11th, 6 p.m. right here. Our first next social of the year. We're going to have that here. And uh, anyone who attends this class on Sunday mornings is welcome. Um, we're going to do some food, we're going to have some fellowship, and uh, we're also going to do some things that will help you improve the quality of some of your relationships. I'm really excited about that, looking forward to it. So put that down, Saturday, March 11th, 6 p.m. Number two, if you haven't yet gone online and completed the 2017 Next Survey, please do that. Some of you raised your hands last week and said that you were going to do it, and I don't want you to be a liar. So Go ahead and finish that. Take care of it. We're going to close that down this week. By Wednesday of this week, we're going to close it down. So that's your deadline. If you're planning to do it, if you raise your hand and said you would, um, please get that done if you haven't done so already. I really appreciate that. Thank you. And finally, um, the next step that we gave you last week was to focus on one of the six keys to peaceful relationships. I hope that went well for you. If it didn't, or if you forgot try again, because this is a brand new week. You've got a brand new opportunity. Or if you were like me and you realized that you picked the wrong one, that's, that's what happened to me this week. Uh, this past week, I was, my focus was making sure that I didn't uh, uh, discount anybody's feelings. I wanted to make sure that just because I didn't feel it and you felt it, I, I didn't discount that. And that's what I worked on. But uh, y'all know hindsight's twenty twenty. And so by Friday, I was thinking, you know what, <laughs> I should have worked on a different one. I, I, I really should have picked that one about not antagonizing people's anger. That was the one that I should have picked, and that's going to be my focus this week. But this is awesome because I, I'm giving myself a do-over this week, and I'm going to encourage you to do the same. Give yourself a do-over. Now today, what we want to do is we want to address very directly the crazy makers in your life. And everybody in here, whenever I say that word crazy makers, those two words, you, you think of somebody, you think of somebody. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about who's pushing your buttons, who's pushing your buttons. And what we want to do today is we want, mm, amen, careful, careful. The first thing we want to do today is we want to identify, this is where we're headed. We want to identify the four ways that people express anger. We'll have a little bit of fun with that. But the different ways that anger shows up in us, the way that it shows up in others and what the Bible says about those. And then the second thing I want to do is give you uh, five biblical principles for managing your anger. 
and managing, diffusing the crazy makers in your life. So four ways that anger is expressed. Five biblical principles for managing your own anger and diffusing the anger in the crazy makers. And then, of course, we'll give you some next steps like we, like we usually tend to do. And we're going to spend a lot of time in Scripture today. There's a lot of Scripture, especially in the book of Proverbs. So all of you folks that are taking notes, just be ready for it. It's coming. Here we go. All right. So, you know, one of the amazing things about crazy makers is how quickly they can, they can flip you from being okay to being angry. Have y'all, have y'all noticed that? That you can go from zero to full burn in like 2.2 seconds with some of these people. Um, you, you can be, just be going through a typical day. It can be, you can be having a good day. The sun's out. The birds are singing. Everything's okay. And then here comes this crazy maker and in the, in the blink of an eye, man, you, you're frustrated, you're upset, you're asking Siri for places to hide a body. I mean, it just happens so fast. They can flip you so fast. They, it's because they know how to push your buttons. So if we're going to have healthy relationships, if we're going to make our relationships better, then we're going to have to know how to deal with anger. How it shows up in us how it shows up in others, and how to diffuse it whenever the crazy makers come along. Now, here's some facts about anger, and I got these from the Internet, so you know they're true. Uh, The average woman, whatever that may be, and whatever she may look like, and however she may act, the average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man loses his temper six times a week. Women get angry more often at people. Men get angry more often at things. The stupid computer. The plumbing. The five million piece swing set. Women tend to be more verbal with their anger. Men tend to be more physical with their anger. We throw things. Uh, and in all seriousness, you can look in all seriousness, you can look at the statistics on domestic violence. Um, that's physical more often than not. That's that's men. Um, single adults express anger twice as often as married adults. Now, this seemed really counterintuitive to me, folks. I just got to tell you, there's something about this one that's not making sense to me. And just get a good amen from some of you married folks, and we'll leave it at that. The place you are more likely to express anger is? hmm, It's home. It's home. Right. Because we express our anger toward those we care about more often than we do with total strangers. Brilliant. Yes, that, that that makes a lot of sense. But it does make sense because the people that you love have the greatest potential to hurt you, to frustrate you, to irritate you. Dr. S.I. McMillan has identified 51 ailments and illnesses that can be attributed to anger. 51. In fact, proctologists now know that anger can literally cause a pain in the rear. I'm not I'm not making this up. And guys, all of us have those people in our lives that give us pain in that particular part of our anatomy. And that we call them crazy makers. And every single one of us, we have them in our lives. People that just make us angry. And here's the deal. Here's the deal about anger. 
And I'm going to tell you all right now, I am immensely qualified to talk on this subject. There's a lot of things we'll cover in here. I don't have a lot of experience with, and I'm traveling and, and trafficking in untraveled truth, as they say. But this one, Padna, been there, bought the T-shirt, on the, on the coffee mug, all of that. I got this one. Here's the deal about anger. It's not always an inappropriate response. It's not always wrong. Now, uncontrolled anger, that's wrong. But controlled anger isn't always a bad thing. There are some situations where anger is a perfectly acceptable response. Anger, guys, can be, it can be an indication of love. Somebody tries to hurt me or hurt my family, I'm going to get angry. Injustice, abuse, racism, neglect, rape, murder, these are things that cause anger in us, and it is justifiable that it would do so. They should make us angry. Anger can be an evidence of love. In fact, guys, the only reason that you and I can get angry is because we are made in the image of God. And, you know, it says 375 times in Scripture that God got angry, that Jesus got angry. There are some things that are definitely wrong and they, they we should get angry about them. But there's a righteous anger and there's an unrighteous anger. Anger. There, there's a right way and a wrong way. There's an appropriate way and an inappropriate way. Let's look at this in Ephesians. Ephesians 4 and 26. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. The implication there is that there is a way to get angry. Don't, don't sin by letting anger control you the implication there is there's a way to get angry and not sin selfish anger is sinful self-centered anger is sinful uncontrolled anger is sinful but there's a huge difference guys listen to this between anger as a response and anger as a reaction i wish i had a dollar for every time i've had this discussion with some child or some adult in my office at work a response is controlled it is measured it is purposefully applied a reaction is uncontrolled unchecked and chaotic if you go to the doctor because you're sick and they give you a treatment and they call you and they say it looks like you're responding to the to the treatment good thing or bad thing good thing if they call you and it says it looks like you're having a reaction to the treatment good thing or bad thing bad thing so a response good reaction bad so we want to respond if we respond in anger it needs to be controlled it needs to be measured it needs to be purposefully applied let me show you a few verses and this one's a little strange because it's, it's just a different translation than what we normally look at in here but in proverbs chapter 25 verse 28 and this in the, this is in the today's english translation it says if you cannot control your anger you are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack you're helpless. If you cannot control your anger, you're help, You're defenseless. You open yourself up. You become easy to manipulate and easy to control when you can't control your anger. Have you ever said to somebody, you make me so mad. You make me so you make me. You make me. Listen to what you're saying. Because right there, you've admitted it. You're admitting that in that moment, you are letting that person control your life. You are giving them the control of your emotions. 
You're giving them control over you. You're defenseless. You have no walls. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16 says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. I want to be wise. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. Well, you know what? It's wise to just let some things roll and respond when appropriate, but not react. One more scripture from Proverbs 16.32. It says, it is better to be patient than to be powerful. It is better to have self-control than conquer a city. In other words, it's better and it's more important for you to be in control of your own emotions, for you to be in control of your anger than to be the president of the United States or the queen of England. It's better for you to have self-control than to be powerful. Guys, the fact is that anger is a learned response. You learned it from you learned it from other people. Now, you might have learned it from television, from movies, from parents, from musical personalities. But the good news is, and, and maybe you had a bad example. Maybe you had a bad example growing up in your home of what anger should look like. But the good news is, it's, since it's a learned behavior, it can be adjusted. It can be tuned. It can be controlled. And you can learn appropriate ways to deal with your anger. And you can learn appropriate ways to deal with the anger that you're getting from others. Now, what I want to do is I want to look at the different ways that anger shows up. These are four ways that people express anger. You're going to identify with one of these. And then you're going to, after you identify, then you're going to start thinking, yep, that's her, that's him, that, yep, you're going to do that. Because I did it. The first one is, we're going to call this the machine gunners. The machine gunners. You can just roll those pictures as, as you choose. But the, these are the machine gunners. These are the people that just let you have it, man. Bam. You're dead and full of lead. I mean, that's the way this works. These, uh, it's just like they, 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 you hit their trigger, they mow you down. And, and it's obvious that they're mad. They cuss. They yell. They throw things. They let it fly. They, these people are the exploders, the Mount Vesuviuses. Uh, it, it's very obvious because it's just, bah, and they're, they're just, they explode all over you. And these are the kind of the people they are always in the news. Uh, the Alec Baldwins, the Charlie Sheens. Now in the Bible, an example of this type of anger, an example of a machine gunner would be Cain. Cain and Abel in the book of Genesis, right? They're sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain committed the first murder in Scripture whenever he killed his brother. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 5, it says, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast in one translation it says and he scowled and then in verse 8 it says while they were in the field watch this Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him Cain attacked this is the response of this first form of anger the machine gunners this is what they do they they are the attackers the machine gunners they they go on the offense this type and this type of response is so obvious and, and the people that respond this way, the people that, that demonstrate their anger this way, they're often embarrassed. They want to apologize. They, they think things like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? They, they want to go back and, and, and make it right. But that's not the only type of anger. So the first one is the machine gunners. The second one we call the mutes. The mutes. These are the exact opposite. They don't blow up. They clam up. They don't get violent. They get silent and they, they hold things in and, and they live in denial. Yeah, go ahead. 
How many of you have seen that look? This one right here. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. They live in the mile. They, they masquerade. They pretend. And they always, this is the thing about the mutes, they always refuse to admit it whenever they're angry. Y'all have had conversations like this. Baby, are you angry? You okay? I'm fine. Okay. You sure? I said I'm fine. Okay. You, you seem angry. Are, are, are you mad? No, I'm not mad. Okay. Baby, are, are you sure? I said I'm not angry. This is not the, guys, this is not the exploding type of anger. This is what we call crockpot anger. Yeah, because it, it stews and, and it simmers. And it, it's just a slow burn, baby. It's just in there cooking. And, and they may not rage vomit all over you like the machine gunners do, but it's just in there, just cooking away until the right time. Yeah. Mutes, what they do is they, they swallow their anger. And, and here's the problem with that. It sounds like a great thing. That's, oh, that's so much better to swallow your anger than just mow everybody down like the machine gunners do. But here's the deal. Every time you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score. Because the, the mutes, the, if you don't talk it out, then you're going to take it out on your own body. Because the mutes are the ones that they've got the high blood pressure, they've got the chronic pain, they've got the tension headaches, they've got the stomach ulcers. And a good example of a mute in Scripture would be the prophet Jeremiah. And they called him the weeping prophet. Jeremiah, this is why... The, he, he's got a book in the Bible. Jeremiah was so ticked off at what he saw going on around him in society, but he didn't explode. He, he didn't machine gun people. He held it in. Watch this in Scripture, Jeremiah 15, verses 17 through 18. It says, I never joined the people in their merry feasts. I sat alone. This is just like a mute. Just like a mute. They withdraw. Because your hand was on me. I was filled with indignation at their sins. Watch this. Why then does my suffering continue? Why is my wound so incurable? Well, it's because you're holding it in. That's what you, that's when, whenever you say it just burns me up, that just burns me up. Well, guess what? It is. Because you're holding it in. Your body is not meant for that. It's not meant to be a vessel for that type, that type of seething rage that we get. So we've got the violent and we've got the silent. We've got the, the blow up and the clam up. The third type is going to be the martyrs. The martyrs. The martyrs are pros at holding pity parties. They, 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 they announce a pity party and then they invite themselves to it. Martyrs are always, always passive. They tend to... They tend to punish themselves. Yes. Poor Sebastian. So this is what happens with a martyr. Whenever a crazy maker comes into their lives, they don't think my mom is crazy. They don't think my husband is nuts. The martyr thinks, what's wrong with me? What, what, what did I do wrong? This is all my fault. Now, how do you know if that's you? How do you know if you're a martyr? Well, simple. It's the same type of test we always talk about in here. It's a vocabulary test. This is how you know. If you're constantly saying things like, I should have, 
I ought to, I wish I. If you're constantly blaming yourself, this is you. You're a martyr. You know, the first sign that you have a martyr's approach to anger is depression. Now, guys, listen, I know depression, it can be caused by a lot of things. It certainly can. But one of the one of the biggest causes of depression is is frozen anger. And I see this at my job almost daily. This this kid or this this parent, they're having fits with all kinds of different issues. And it's because there's this anger that's frozen up inside of them and they can't release it. You don't know how to let it out. And a great example of this martyr type of anger in the Bible would be the prodigal son's older brother. Right? Y'all know this story. The man has two sons. The younger son comes to dad and says, hey, I want my half of the estate. And, and he goes off and wastes the money, blows it all. He burns through half the family's estate. And he comes back home and he's totally broke and he's a total mess. And the dad throws him a party. This unconditional love of the father welcomes the kid back. And the older brother, the older brother, though, he's like, wait a minute, I'm the good kid. I'm the one who did things right. I'm the one who took care of the family, but you're not throwing me a party. I've been here all along working and I, I didn't blow half the family's inheritance. I didn't bring shame to my father. And he gets mad and he plays the part of the martyr. And we see it in Luke chapter 15, verse 28. It says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, refused to go into the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. I'll show them I'm not going to a stupid party. I'll just keep right on doing what I've been doing. I'll go out here and work by myself if I have to. Have you got anybody like this in your family, martyrs? Because you, you know if you do, because the martyr has to be begged. They have to be coaxed. They have to be cajoled. They have to be pleaded with. They make everybody else feel guilty. They're martyrs. And it, guys, this is just as wrong as the machine gunners. It's just as wrong. Number four, the manipulators. The manipulators. This is the fourth way that anger is, is expressed. The motto of the manipulator is, don't get mad. Y'all know, get even. Manipulators will never tell you to your face that they are angry with you. They'll never tell you to your face that they're angry with you. They're going to do it on the sly. They're going to do it with sarcasm. They're going to do it with jabs. They're going to they're going to do it with these surgically precise cuts. And, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm bleeding. How did that? How did that even happen? I'm wounded. Where did all this blood coming from? That's my blood. And the the manipulators over there in the corner like gotcha. You didn't even know it. And I gotcha. They do things to sabotage you. They do things to make you look bad. And you can never quite catch them on it. You're left after a conversation like that just gets stuck. Y'all know people like this and, and they will flat out. Uh, they will never own up to the fact that they are seething in anger. And, and whenever you do, whenever they do something to hurt you and you confront them about it, what they'll say is I was I was joking. I, I was just joking. I wasn't serious. I mean, don't be so sensitive all the time. Don't turn it back on, turn it back on you. They're not joking. They're a crazy maker. They're a manipulator. And guys, religious people are great at this one. So us, we're, we are real good at this one because what, what they do is they couch their anger in this bunch of spiritual sounding mumbo jumbo. My brother, my spirit was grieved. 
my spirit was grieved. Am I right? No, you're ticked off. And you're too cowardly to admit the fact that you're really, that you're really mad and, and deal with it. And an example of this in Scripture would be the Pharisees. The Pharisees in Luke 6 and 11, and we're going to look at this in the message. They were so mad at Jesus because Jesus was popular with the people and they weren't. And it says they were beside themselves with anger. And started plotting how they might get even with him. Plot. Get even. Manipulators. Now, these are the four ways uh, of, that anger is expressed. Whether you're a machine gunner or, or a mute, a martyr, a manipulator. Whichever one you are and whichever one you're dealing with. Whichever one the major crazy maker in your life might be. You learn to get angry that way. And they learned to get angry that way. And none of them are helpful. None of them are. And you can learn a better way to deal with your anger and deal with crazy makers. So in the time that we have left, I want to give you five ways to disarm the button pushers. Five ways to disarm button pushers. Everybody all right? Okay, here we go. Five ways to disarm button pushers. The first one, calculate the cost of your anger. Calculate the cost of your anger. Before you allow yourself to get mad right back, you calculate what you are going to lose. You calculate the cost of your anger. You are less likely, guys, to get mad whenever somebody's pushing your buttons and they're just, if you realize there is always going to be a price tag attached to my anger. The Bible is very specific about this. Proverbs 29, 22, it says, An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. You're going to fight more often. You're going to sin more often if you get angry. Proverbs 15 and 18 says, I'm sorry, we just did that one. Proverbs 14, 29 says, Slowness to anger makes for deep understanding a quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. A quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. So if I get angry, here's the cost. According to Scripture, here's the cost of getting angry. I'm going to cause trouble. I'm going to get in fights. I'm going to sin. And I'm going to stockpile stupidity. Guys, I don't want to do any of that stuff. But there's a price tag attached to anger. So do I want to get angry whenever you're pushing my buttons? No. No, I don't. Guys, listen, just remember it this way. I always lose when I lose my temper. I always lose. You, you're going to lose something. You're going to lose respect for yourself. You're going to lose respect of others. You're going to lose influence. You might lose your job. Don't use anger. And this is one that I have to be really careful with. Don't use anger to motivate people. Because while you may get a short-term payoff in the end, it's going to cost you more than you really want to pay. So whenever somebody starts pushing you buttons, ask yourself, am, am I willing to pay the price for this? Now, some of us are foolish. You're like, heck yeah, I'm willing to pay the price. Let's go. <laughs> but we need, to, we, need to, we need to start thinking and, and be wise, not foolish, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Okay, always calculate the cost of your anger. Number two and we talked about this one last week. Look past their words to their pain. Look past their words to their pain. You don't react to what they're saying. You don't 
You don't react to the words that are coming out of their mouth. You look past what they say and look for the feeling in the words. The emotion driving the words. Because they may be speaking words of anger. They may be speaking words that, that hurt you, but more than likely they are feeling fearful, insecure, wounded, unloved, guilty. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory or to his credit to overlook an offense. Remember, guys, hurt people do what? They hurt people. Unkind people are the ones who have been exposed to a lot of unkindness. Whenever someone is rude, whenever someone is sarcastic, whenever they are attacking, whenever they're mean-spirited, when they're judgmental, when they're callous, when they're sharp-tongued, they're saying, I need massive doses of love and grace. The very thing they don't deserve and the very thing we don't want to give them is what they need. So you have to decide, am I going to retaliate and return evil for evil? Well, that sounds exactly like what Jesus would do. Am I going to keep this cycle of pain going? Am I going to just keep feeding the monster? Because that's what we do whenever we respond to someone else's anger with our own. We're just, we're just feeding that monster. Or am I going to respond with love? Edwin Markham wrote a very short poem. It goes like this. It says, they drew a circle to shut me out. A heretic, a rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit. Love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took them in. Rick Warren said this, and I, I love it. He said, I will not allow anyone the satisfaction of making me their enemy. They may hate me, but I'm not going to hate them back. I'm going to do the Jesus thing. I'm going to break the pattern. All right, so number three. Think before responding, not reacting. Think before responding. Think before you speak. Because anger control, guys, largely amounts to mouth control. I'm teaching about 75% better than y'all responding right now. Anger control... Largely amounts to mouth control. Engage brain before opening mouth. It, got, it would save us all so much trouble. And I know I'm not the only culprit in here. I feel like the most culpable, but I know I'm not the only culprit. We would save ourselves so much trouble if we would do that. Proverbs 13 and 16 says, wise people think before they act. Fools don't and even brag about their foolishness. Another translation says it this way. Sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs 29, 11 says a fool gives full vent to his anger. I love that. Gives full vent to his anger. Let's it all hang out. But a wise person quietly holds it back. It's cool because in the Hebrew right there, that phrase, a wise person quietly holds it back. It, it literally means he cools it. He cools it. He holds it back and cools it. He waits for it to cool. So guys, chill out is a biblical concept. We have Bible for that. Just chill out. Chill out, honey. What? It's Bible. Come on, somebody. Cool it. Chill out. So what do you do while you're waiting for it to cool? What do you do? What do you do? I'm going to give you three questions to ask yourself while you're waiting for it to cool. The first one is, why am I angry? Why am I angry? Not this other person. Why am I angry? Number two, what do I really want? 
this jerk is they're, they're pushing my buttons right now and I'm, I'm tempted to just be sarcastic back. But is is that going to get me what I really want out of this relationship? And the third one is, well, knowing what I want out of this relationship, how can I get it? Pro tip, blowing up is not the best way. Breaking out the big guns, not the best way. Clamming up, not going to do it. Help us, Jesus. You got to help us. Now, you can't ask those questions, Jason. You can't ask those questions. I'm Jason, for those of you that don't know. I'm, I can't ask those questions if you immediately speak up. Right? But if, if you'll be quiet for a minute, you have time to think about them. You'll reflect. You'll identify the root cause of the anger. Guys, anger is always caused by one of three, three things. The first one is hurt. Because when you get hurt, you get angry. If I'm, trying to, if I'm at home and I'm trying to drive a nail through a piece of wood and I miss the nail and I hit my finger, I don't say, praise the Lord. No, I, well, never mind what I say. But I get angry. I'm angry at the stupid hammer. I'm angry at the stupid nail. I'm angry at my stupid thumb. I'm angry at all kinds of things. And I get angry at life and everything else. Why? Because I'm hurt. And it's hard to be sympathetic towards someone's anger but it's a lot easier to be sympathetic towards someone's hurt. All right. Number two, the, the, the second cause of anger is frustration. Whenever you get irritated because something didn't go as planned. Come on, somebody. Whenever you have to wait. Department of motor vehicles. There's all kinds of angry people in there. Why? Because they're frustrated. When you can't control a situation, it makes you angry. Any parent who has ever held a screaming infant for an hour, come on, Jeremy. Maybe she hasn't done it yet, but it's coming. And you've done everything you can to try to make this little infant dictator be quiet, but they just won't stop crying. It doesn't matter what you do. And you start thinking things in your brain like, is prison really that bad? I mean, how bad is it really? If I strangle this kid right now, how bad, how bad is it going to be? You're angry. You're angry in that situation. Why? Because you have no control. You're frustrated. Nothing works. And guys, the higher control type person you are, the more prone to anger you are. Because life is, you know what, it's mostly out of our control. And the third thing that, that causes anger is fear. Whenever we're afraid, we fight back. I don't need to explain that one. This is why delay is such a great antidote to the crazy makers, to the crazy person. Because delay gives you an opportunity to ask, am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Am I afraid? What about that person? Are they hurt? Are they frustrated? Are they afraid? And the longer you can delay, the better your anger will get. Pro tip, don't send the text immediately. Pro tip, don't respond immediately to that email. Come on, somebody. Just, just wait. Stop. Let it cool. Sleep on it if you can. Because, guys, responding with equal force does not ever keep things on the level. You can come at me, like, right here, and I come at you right here, and somehow that's like exponential math calculus stuff, and it just is, it goes here if you respond with equal force. That's why the scripture says in Proverbs 15 and 1, a gentle answer deflects anger, turns aside wrath for you King James people. But a harsh word makes tempers flare. Whose anger is being deflected? Yours and theirs. 
And as a person who is intimately familiar with the taste of shoe leather, I can tell you that if I keep my mouth closed, I can't put my foot in there. Right? Just, I, I need to slow down, back off, delay. All right, number three, or number four, I'm sorry, number four, ask for God's help. And some of y'all are like, Pfft. seriously, ask for God's help. Psalms 141 and verse 3, it says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. One translation says it this way, Lord, help me control my tongue. Guys, what, what is this? This is not a graduate level question. What is this? It's toothpaste. If I squeeze it, what's going to come out? Very good. Toothpaste. Why? Oh, sermon's done. Done. Why? Why is the toothpaste going to come out, Jason? Because that's what's in the tube. And so whenever you get squeezed, whenever you're under tension and whenever you're under pressure, it reveals what's inside of you. So whenever that anger vomit comes roaring out of you. It's an indication of what's on the inside. Help me right now, Jesus. And none of us like to admit it very much, but it's true. When I get angry, my mouth reveals what is in my heart. And if I have a harsh tongue, then that means I've got an angry heart. If I've got a negative tongue, it reveals a fearful heart. If I've got a boasting tongue, that reveals an insecure heart. A judgmental tongue reveals a guilty heart. A critical tongue reveals a bitter heart and a filthy tongue reveals an impure heart. But on the other hand, an encouraging tongue reveals a happy heart. A gentle tongue reveals a loving heart. A controlled tongue reveals a peaceful heart. Guys, the mouth is a pump and the heart is a well. And if you've got poison in the well, it doesn't matter what you do to the pump. All you're going to get out of it is poison water. If you want to get different water out of that well, you can't do anything to the pump. you got to change the heart. Well, guess what? You can't do it. That's why you need Jesus. That's why I've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's no accident that the Spirit is often symbolized and spoken about in terms of water. Well. Mm. Okay. Pentecostal people. Jesus is the only one who can change my heart. And if I'm full of myself, it's easy for me to get upset. If I'm full of him, I don't get upset as easily. So, Lord, help me. Help me with my, my struggles with anger. Lord, help me with, with my struggles with lashing out at the people I love. Help me with what comes out of my mouth. Help me with my heart. Jesus, change my heart. So fill me with your spirit, Lord, so that there's less of me in here and more of you. Guys, don't, we're not going to make this one complicated. Number four here, ask the Lord for help. It's very simple. Jesus, help me. Help me. All right, number five, and, and we're done. I must base my identity in Jesus. We're talking about ways to diffuse the crazy makers. Diffuse your own anger and theirs. Base my identity in Jesus. If my concept of who I am is based in anyone or anything else other than Jesus Christ, I am going to be vulnerable to anger. If my identity comes from my performance, angry. 
If my identity comes from my popularity, angry. If my identity comes from my my position, angry. If it comes from my profits, angry. You know why? Because all of those things can be taken away from you. If you try to build your identity on anything else other than Jesus, you are going to struggle with insecurity and fear. And insecurity and fear at the root of anger. And if you're insecure and you're full of fear, then other people are going to be able to just push your buttons. But if you know who you are and whose you are, then people can't push your buttons. People can't get to you. If my identity is based in Jesus, then what others think of me doesn't matter to the point that they can control me, control my emotions. Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of human. And this is in the message. The fear of human opinion disables you. But trusting in God protects you from that. If you're always worried about what other people think of you, whether they accept you, approve of you, disapprove of you, then you are, the Bible says you are emotionally disabled. And you are vulnerable to anger, your own anger and the anger of the button pushers. So how does God help me manage my anger? How does God help me manage my response to the button pushers and and, and the crazy makers? How do I ensure that my identity is based in Jesus and not popularity, position, profits, and, and performance? Well, guys, it's called salvation. It's called knowing God. Step one, right? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. It's, it's knowing God. It's called salvation. God gives you a brand new heart, a brand new identity. And instead of what I can do, it's what God can do. Instead of what others say about me, it's what God says about me. Instead of my position in power, it's about God's position in power. Look at this. Ephesians 1 and 4. We're almost done. Ephesians 1 and 4 says, long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be. And without what does that say to be holy? Okay, and without fault in his eyes, a little typo there. Think about that before he even made the universe, before he even made the world, God was thinking about you. That blows my mind. He was loving you. He chose you before he even got started on creation. Can you imagine that? The Bible says that's true. Matthew 5, 48 in the message. I love this. It says, grow up. Your kingdom subject. Now live like it. Live out your God created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. When, guys, when you're living out your God given identity, People don't push your buttons. They can't because they don't determine who you are. God determines who you are. Amen. So what I want you to do this week, I'm going to give you some next steps and we're going to roll. I want you to put these five principles into practice this week by asking yourself a daily question. A daily question. I want you to go to DQ, but not Dairy Queen. I want you daily question. Monday. Monday, I want you to ask yourself, am I calculating the cost of my anger? On Tuesday, am I, am I looking past their words to their pain? On Wednesday, am I thinking, am I really thinking before I respond? On Thursday, am I asking God for a Am I inviting God into this hot mess and saying, Lord, 
You got to help me. Friday, am I basing my identity in Jesus? For those of you that are on the next remind list, I'll send you something at a respectable hour in the morning. And uh, yes, you're welcome to help you remember. But I'll, I'll send that out this morning. Next Sunday, don't miss it. Brother Brian Tier is going to be talking to us about resolving conflict. Yes, going to be great stuff. Looking forward to that. Brian always does an excellent job, and I appreciate him taking that on. Has this been good for you today? Yes, it has. It's been good for me, too. All right, let's pray. Lord, um, help us with our anger. Uh, the, the times when we should respond with anger, help us to be wise about it. And the times whenever someone is coming at us in anger, Help us to follow the principles of your word, to calculate the cost, God, to look beyond what what's what they're saying and, and look for the hurt that's there. God, to make sure that our identity is firmly, firmly planted in you. God, that we've had an experience with you that changes our heart. Lord, and whenever we find our mouths exposing something inside of us that we know shouldn't be there, then help us to to reach out to you once again and say, God, just just help help Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for allowing us to be in your presence today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in just a few minutes. Have a wonderful day.